Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I uh, look at myself as just the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, oh, not great with dates, but I'm going to say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. Here's a recap of my brother Lee's story so far. Oh, what am I afraid of? The honest answer would be uh, not being around long enough to instill the values that I feel will set my kids up to become strong, responsible, wholesome individuals. So my name is Luke Evans. I am Lee's youngest brother. Probably the obvious, more longer term fear or greatest fear would just simply be, you know, not being able to have him here. Um, it's much harder to accept that that is going to be, um, that there's going to be an end of the road piece in that, you know, like, because I want to see his boys grow up with a dad like him. Hello everyone, welcome to our first episode for 2022. Welcome back to the C Word Podcast. I'm Luke, I'm here with my brother Leroy Lee. How are you I'm doing? I'm very good mate, how are you? <laughs> I wish I could say, I wish I could say I'm, I'm looking as good as you look, but um, yeah, just I guess that's a good thing about a podcast, isn't it? Nobody can see that I'm actually... Uh, looking like I just got out of bed, but I haven't. I've done school drop-off and shopping and cooks and pies. Cooks and pies. Well, here you go. For anyone who doesn't know Lee, then you are missing out on some uh, top-notch cooking that comes out of his kitchen. I'll give you that. Knows how to cook a pie <laughs> and also knows how to pretty much cook anything else, which is uh, astounding for those of us like myself who are not great cooks. Pretty much. I mean, we haven't caught up until now. Where are we at? 18th of February. We're like, I mean, 2022 is almost over at this point. But we thought we would, uh, we thought we'd jump back on here and reconvene after a lengthy uh, time away. I think the last time we did a podcast was around the 15th of December, um, and you've obviously had quite a uh, quite a bit going on. So I thought, let's jump on. Let's have a chat. Let's see what's happening. And then also for people listening, I have been a horrible brother and haven't caught up with you for quite a number of weeks. So I also don't know. <laughs> traveling the, traveling the globe, happening. enjoying yourself. Just just really selfish of you. You know, I thought did, like, I, I hated you for a few weeks there. Um, not because you didn't contact, because you were actually well, having genuine fun. <laughs> what's <Yeah>. that <laughs> i know genuine actual yeah. fun it was and uh, i was, was just crazy. chasing two kids around the yard uh, and at the beach most days uh in um luckily not stinking hot uh adelaide weather so you had a nice christmas new year for a quick brief on that one you were in adelaide for the whole thing we had uh laura's sister uh down with uh, her little boy ted and 
then uh, Claire, so Laura's mum, Clazza, she was over for a little bit. So we had Christmas Day at Dad's um, and that was pretty laid back and very casual because Jane, my sister, had just um, brought home her little bubs, uh, Vivian, on Christmas Eve. So um, it was just a very small collection of us on on Christmas Day. And uh, and so, what's the latest on uh, what's the latest on the health front? Give us a rundown. So we saw you on the so we spoke on the fifteenth of December, but since then, since then I've had two scans. So the initial scan that I had was um, don't ask me for the name because there's a different gradings of scans like they. You can have your basic MRI and then it expands uh, and I think they just take um, more angles, more layers, et cetera, so they can have a closer look at everything. Um, so I had my first one and essentially from there they were fine with the tumour. Um, there'd been no growth in the tumour. It hadn't shrunk, but in saying that, it was a very short period between the initial one where there had been some shrinkage and then this and, and then the following one. Um, so they were quite fine with where that was at. Um, the cyst, however, had grown. Um, so they were very they were quite concerned. Um, and were sort of So that's even after you've been doing all these steroids. Uh, yeah. Yep. So um, which was Slightly confusing for me because it's you. Um, mm. I don't know how to explain it. You've obviously got a, a a number of experts in that space that are looking at a whole range of things and then feeding back to you. And there's an expectation, I guess, at their end about how you should feel or what should be happening. Mm. But I haven't had any of that. So I don't know whether it's because my brain is actually tiny and there's a heap of space in there for a cyst to grow, <laughs> or um, I don't know. I've just got a flexible skull. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, so it's a little bit com- <laughs> confusing for me, I suppose, in that space because there's an expectation from the doctors. They were quite concerned. You know, are you in? You know, have you had pain? Have you had significant headaches? Um, are you have you lost any strength in your arms, etc.? Because of where the tumor is and where the cyst is, uh, I think that's one of the first things that um, will occur if there is more growth in that space that it can affect those um, areas. But I've actually had... and you've and you've had nothing. You've had nothing. No, nah, I've like barely a, had a headache. Like, and I couldn't even call it a headache when I've had it. It's just but. Like it's like a little, you get a little pulse and you can, and you're like, you can feel something, you know, something is there, but I haven't had a moment where I've had to be sitting there for 15 minutes going, I wish this headache would go away. I just haven't had that. So, um, Mm. so it sort of confuses them a little bit as doctors as well, because I should be the other way. But so then we had a follow up scan, um, which was a few, a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're going to have a look at it again because they mainly want to look at the cyst. They'll obviously look at the tumour and see what's happening there, but they mainly want to look at the cyst. Um, the feedback from my last meeting with my oncologist um, was that they'll put me back on chemo um, for a period of time and uh, they'll continue, they'll put me back on steroids. Um 
and yep. the only time they will operate uh, and have a resection, which is going in and removing the cyst, is if something significant occurred. So I would have to have, I'd effectively have to have, I think I'd have to have a seizure or consistent headaches. Um, and then they would say, okay, well, we need to do something. But while there isn't, they, they don't want to touch it. And, and I'm completely fine with that and understand that. Like, I don't think anybody really wants to get their head opened if they don't have to. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of where it's at. We're now waiting for the uh, MDT, so the multidisciplinary team. So it's a range of people, same as in Brisbane when we were there. There's obviously, you don't just have one doctor. Um, it's multiple. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, up to a dozen and then people from around the country that um, sit and discuss certain cases. So there's different perspective on what should and shouldn't be done. Um, you might have one doctor that just says, yep, get in there, let's take it out. But then there'll be a number of others that will be, no, it's not symptomatic in these areas. So whilst the body is managing and the brain is managing, don't touch it. Because um, you obviously run the risk of potential infection. Um, and I guess that's what they want to avoid at all. Can they tell why, like, why a cyst would continue to be growing? I haven't actually asked them that question, to be honest, and they don't. I think there's a lot. Well, there's a lot they don't know about brain cancer, a lot um, mm. more than any other cancer. Uh, and when it comes to things like cysts, um, I'm not sure there's much more known in that space either. I do know that they can come from uh, you when you have heavy treatment, radiotherapy, chemotherapy at the same time. Um, it can bring on um, uh, fluid, which is effectively what the cyst is. What keeps feeding the growth of it, I don't know. Um, initially, when they looked at it, they were worried that the connection from the cyst to the tumour might mean that the cyst could be a tumour. They've since sort of gone, no, well, we're pretty comfortable it's not that it's just a cyst, but when you say just a cyst, they can a really significant cyst is can cause just as much damage um, to an individual as uh, as a tumor if it's in the wrong spot um, and and isn't addressed. So I think from here it'll just be a continuous monitoring of the cyst. I'll probably have um, more regular scans. Uh, and they'll have a look at it. If it plateaus out and stays, then I'll, I'll just leave it until they need to do something. Um, and that's the reality of, I guess, any sort of treatment around the brain that there's never a rush to invade that space and do something unless yeah, they have understandable. to. understandable. Are you on uh, chemo already or that's what you're waiting from the MDT to come back that? Yeah, back okay. on, yep. So I had my, my first cycle. Um, and through that and is it effective when you come back on it again afterwards like what do they say in terms of its effectiveness they uh, from what they can what i gather 
they look for the effectiveness of it initially, like does it have an impact initially? And with me it did, so it shrunk my tumour um, initially, the combination of that and the radiotherapy. Um, I think it probably does more uh, in terms of stifling any growth at this point rather than shrinking it. Um, I don't know, most people that I've heard of that have where their um, tumours have disappeared, it's a two-year-plus period before. I think it's very, from what I know anyway, it's very rare where they disappear quickly. Um, and it all depends on, on, on what it is, so um, the shape of it, et cetera, all of that sort of stuff. And, and mine's quite a complex little creature, so... Um, yeah, right. So, yeah. so how do you then yeah. feel, because um, this was running through my head when I was you know, thinking of getting on here, how do you feel going into another year, like into 2022, knowing that this little bugger is still hanging around? Like was there was there a moment of thinking about that? Have you had any moments where you've kind of gone, oh, like, or has it just been a continued kind of process at this point? Um, uh, look, and I guess initially you go in with the, Yep, going to knock it on the head really quickly. Um, that then sort of turns to, um, I guess, accepting that it could take, you know, a significant amount of time for it to disappear. Um, and there's part of me that, I don't know, this probably sounds too much like being a coach again, Austin. <laughs> Anything that's going to last and be sustainable needs to be managed over a period of time, you know, developed, grown, whatever. In this case, we don't want it to grow. But yeah, I was going to say, no, no development or growth. If here. it disappeared in the first month, you know, the, I don't know, in the back of my head, I think, shit, that happened really quickly. Like, how quickly would it come back? Or, But there are people that can have these just plateau out and stay there as, as they are for, you know, a long time. I've kind of changed my expectations in that place and I, I don't really have any. Uh, um, and I shouldn't say I don't care, but I'm sort of past the point of going now worrying about what I'll be told next by the doctors. Um, I'm more... They're going to tell me whatever they tell me. They're always going to give you the, um, not the happy version. They're always going to give you the version of, you know, there's some concern here or some concern here. Yeah, for sure. So speaking about health then, what have you been doing? What's, what's, your, what's your regime? Where are you at these days? Obviously benching huge amounts, just training four times a day, smashing a protein shake. <laughs> yep, Sam did say to me, um, uh, Sam, so brother-in-law Sam, our brother-in-law, he said, um, if you're back on the roids, you, surely you're just going to smash the heavy weights. I was going to say, was, I've been meaning to, to make that same part going, well, you've been on the roids, mate, you should be okay. Yeah, um, oh, look, I had a bit of a, I was quite happy. I got down to 79.5 kilos, and which was really good. Like I, I was, they don't like you losing weight when, you're undergoing treatment, they want you to keep weight. But mm. 
the weight that I was at, as you know, like, and I put on a, quite a bit after eating enormous amounts of KFC and dumplings and, you know, bowel bugs. After enjoying life while you were going through some difficult Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> after going, okay, I need to rein things in. I need to eat really healthy and so forth. And, and then got down to 79, I felt really good. I was like... I actually feel really good. I feel really strong and I feel I just feel good, particularly like through the like the middle, I guess, the um of my body felt really good. And then back on the steroids and I was very conscious of the fact that when you take these tablets, you it's um you don't get hunger pains. But it's sort of I don't know, it must flick a switch in you to go, just eat. Cause I can manage my eating for the whole day and be fine and then I'll hit a patch and I'll eat something and then I'll go, oh, I still want to eat something more. Like I'll eat a whole dinner and then I'll go, I'll make a sandwich and i have a sandwich and then half an hour later I'll go, hmm, I'm going to have some yogurt and fruit and I'll have yogurt and fruit and then I'll go, just stop. Just stop and go to bed. <laughs> Because otherwise you'll continue eating. Is that yeah, pretty much. But I've managed to, I've been quite sensible in that space. So gone back up to like 84 kilos. Um, so would like to just drop a couple. Um, and I've generally been like really good. Do the steroids have any other effect on you? Like, so you're obviously eating more. You said you feel it that way. Um, that it? Oh, to me, it is. Um, what about your family? <laughs> uh, we had the kids at home for obviously a period of time over Christmas. We're in quite a, like a small little space here. We've got a great backyard um, and plenty of space for the kids and their jumpy castle and lots to entertain them with. But it's a fairly um, small space that we live in. So you're constantly in each other's pockets, which we don't mind. Like that's it, you know. We're very connected with the kids and close with them and there's always lots of hugs and sitting on each other's laps and and all that sort of stuff. So it's really good. But um, Max is now getting to this age. He's um, He started this year. Uh, it's called, um, oh, what is it, prep for? Growing into reception. Growing into reception. There you go. Laura just yelled that out. I was going to say... <laughs> growing into a um, reception. Just a little, so little number in the background there from the producer. Yep. Where he goes to <laughs> big school, gets in his uniform, does all that sort of stuff. Anyway, he's uh, okay. learned a few new words and yeah. not all good ones. And um, there's an attitude that's coming up. Oh, so quickly. Okay. So quickly. So um, quickly at school, learned that many words. some little attitude has come with it and um, as you know with Max he's a very smart little man um, and he certainly knows how to hold a room and how to manipulate things and yes. and he knows how to push my buttons anyway I did that for a couple of days in a row and um, I, I can't remember what it was but I, I, I told him off and he didn't listen and then the next telling off was um, my voice was raised significantly and it, it scared him a bit and he went running to mum and discussion was had and then we both sat down afterwards and I said, look, daddy was a bit loud and I'm sorry. 
but you've got to listen because you're continuously doing what we're asking you not to do. So we hugged it out. It was all good. Ten minutes later, he was on the couch and then he fell asleep um, on my lap and it was all good. Following that, Laura thought, okay, and I'm really glad that she had this discussion because I don't think I could um, without probably getting emotional. It's, um, she sat down with him and said, look, there's something you need to understand about Dad. And do you remember when Dad went to hospital? And he said, yeah. And she said, well, Dad's got this naughty little thing in his brain and it's, it's naughty and sometimes it can make him feel um, bad and he doesn't feel good. So when he's not feeling good, we have to be good to him and be nice to him and help look after him. And so now he refers to it as the naughty thing in my brain all the time. Like, Dad, when's the naughty thing in your brain going to go away? Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> he's right into potions. Now, we're not quite sure what he refers to as a potion. What does he do when he talks about potions? I think he's talking about creating like magic potions because he watches a lot of things on kids' YouTube where there's lots of magic and mm. and that sort of stuff. And, um, and it's quite cute. And he told me the other day that he said, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm making a potion um, to fix the naughty thing in your brain. And... <laughs> I think it was the cutest thing I've ever heard, and I had to. I tried. I had to try really hard not to um, have a little cry because I thought he was genuine. Like it wasn't mm. a throwaway yeah. line. He was really genuine about it, and I was like, "Oh, he's such a th- he's such a thoughtful, um, lovely, gentle, um, smart little man." That um, yeah. it was really lovely. Yet on the flip side. The following day, I think um, Jack punched me in the head twice. So uh, I've got one son trying to come up with um, a cure for brain cancer. Special um, potion. <laughs> through a special potion, which is when he makes them, it's usually made with um, some leaves uh, off the tree out the back and he puts it in a pot and puts water in it. And Absolutely. God, I remember when I used to do them in Peterborough out the front of the neighbor's <laughs> house, they had the, they had the, uh, they had the, the, the bird bath. I don't know if you remember. And me and the next door neighbor, we'd, we'd like put this in there and spin it around. Yeah. Honestly, potions, potions are a jam at a particular, at a particular age. Yeah. So, so that, um, it was not, it was, I was really happy that Laura had that conversation with him and I, th- and I thought, and I was quite proud of her because that would have been, very difficult for her to have that conversation mm. with him. Um, not that he understands um, the level of um, seriousness, I guess, that comes with what I have, but just that he's aware that there's something there yeah. and that I guess he needs to know that. Um so it's awareness to his capacity anyway, because kids yeah. like, you know, there's only so much seriousness they can kind of grasp, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Um, no, that's good. That's yeah. good. And the thoughtfulness that comes with that. And then of course Jack, the absolute bruiser, just does his own thing. Yeah, just um jumps on my head. And, uh, he actually I don't know where he learns it from. Daycare, whatever. He he just threw <laughs> two straight punches just straight at my head <laughs> and connected. And I sat there and uh, went, oh, 
just been belted by my son. So, and then he just ran away laughing. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we uh, get feedback from daycare that he's the most beautiful little child and everybody loves him. And I'm like, just come home to our place for half an hour and uh, and see. The problem is he's so. He's such a handsome little boy. He's just going to keep getting away with it. I think that's a problem because yeah, he just does a little smile and like, hey, yep. lol, runs absolutely. away. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, so yeah, so that's in a nutshell. That's where I'm at at the moment with um, all things sort of treatment So um, and, and what's happening. So we'll have an appointment soon with um, the feedback from my last game. Um, so hopefully we get that back and it would be nice, to, you know, to hear the words that um, – the sisters stopped growing. Um, that would be nice. Um, because Can like, you find out then in your next catch up when they are talking about it more around like why how how do they continue to grow? Like I'd be I'd be interested to know. It's probably a really dumb question, maybe for those who are listening and maybe do know. But I just find it interesting because you you just you, you think of the cause and effect piece, and I know everything can continue to grow in your body. But I don't know. I just in my head didn't think it was a thing that would continue to grow once you finish that radiation and and you're doing the treatment on top of that. It just seems. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I didn't have it before the radiation. That's so, what I mean. Yeah. So you have the radiation, then the cause and effect yeah. was the really basic, logical way of applying it in your head in terms of understanding. And then for it to continue to grow even after you're doing the steroid treatment, of which they thought would help to reduce that. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I'd be fascinated to know more. Yeah. So we'll find out. Uh, we'll find out more and, um, and then eventually we'll, you know, if it doesn't stop, then eventually we'll get to a point where I'll be symptomatic in some way and they'll go, we need to, now, we need to cut it out. And I'm not phased by that. It's this, The surgery itself is, um, I guess there's no simple brain surgery, but it's, it's fairly simple in terms of what needs to be done and you're out of there quite quick. It's, you know, four or five days in hospital, that's it. Uh, and then you're out. And then after that, um, then it's kind of like a rebuild of the brain, like it's you because you've had it. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the seriousness of the fact that you've actually gone in there. I think it's less about the, yeah. the surgery, the but rather the what the surgery is doing. Yeah. yeah, it's the recovery from there. So, um, you know, it takes a little bit of time for your brain to recover from um, that invasive procedure, I guess. Yeah, so amazing. Yeah, so that's what's um. Changing the topic slightly or shifting the topic, I probably should say, you caught up with, there was a gentleman I think we spoke about a while ago who lives in Adelaide and was also dealing with brain cancer himself. I think you guys caught up, right? Yes, we, we did. Um, that was before Chrissy. Um, Matt Williams is his name. Um, he's got his own YouTube channel. Um, I think he's got an Insta page called Willie Kills Cancer. Um, he's... Uh, ex-army, spent his whole life in the army. Um, and I guess as most people do when you go through something like this that's life-changing, you he did cha- effectively he had to resign from um, his workspace because he couldn't go and um, be in control of a 50 caliber gun mm. on top of a car driving through 
Afghanistan with what he's got going on in his uh, in his head and, and, yes. and all the different things that sort of happening. So he finished up there and he's been doing you know some motivational speaking and, and all that sort of stuff. He's not a big fan of talking about cancer or getting engaged in that space, and I understand that because I'm not really either. Um, I'm more about, I guess, yeah, you've got some adversity and how are you dealing with it? He then sort of, I guess, sat down and thought, what am I going to do? What do I, what do I want to do next? Um, he loves his storytelling. He loves history. He, after being in war, I guess, or involved in war, through, he sees the, the real side of it, I guess, not the side that we see on TV. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, oh, you mean when he is in battle? Yeah, like you know, as in yep. going through towns where that have been affected that are just normal towns with normal people living mm. normal lives, but are heavily impacted because of um, because of war, um, and you don't hear much about it. So he wanted to go and start to, I guess, document these different towns and small places about how they live and and their position on war and at the moment he's in Ukraine um, and he went over there because he wanted to go and visit the Ukraine and, and, and I guess share information about Russia. Um, oh, really? And then wanting to invade, which I think is now actually, see this started or? So what, he's on the ground doing what? Not over there with the Australian Defence? Uh, he's just been visiting different sites, so different war sites, and he's been just uh, going through different towns in the Ukraine to, I guess, get people's perspective on, so what does this mean to you? What does the war mean to you? What does the potential invasion from Russia mean to you? Mm. Um, and if you jump on his YouTube channel, you can... He posts videos every day and they're really interesting because he's talking about towns that they don't have any, they don't have a defence force. They have local police. Yeah, right. Um, Yet they're on the verge of being invaded by Russia purely to assume control of that space because they want it. That's crazy. And it's hard for us to fathom in here Mm. um, because it would never occur here. And spaces that you've travelled over the world, you probably haven't seen it yet. It's common for him because he's been in it and he just wanted to or wants to tell more of the story of the other side and not so much about the war itself but who are the people that are affected and, um, and, and where they sit on it. So he's a really interesting guy. Um, so he still has you. brain cancer at the moment. Like he's, he, I think yeah. I recall you saying he's not necessarily undergoing any treatment for it in terms of no, the same type of treatment. He went through, he was uh, allergic to a lot of the different drugs that they were trying. Um, chemo didn't work on him. He's violently ill all the time. They put him on steroids to help. He put on an enormous amount of weight, mm. like an enormous. I'm going to take a punt here and say he put on around about, he was about 75 kilos when he was in the army um, and obviously in really good shape. I think he got up to about 130. 
That's a big shift in yeah. in, in weight going from 75. Yeah. I can't yeah. comprehend this level of stress that that would cause because for me, uh, again, they like you to have weight on you, but I like to feel uh, fit and strong because it keeps my head fit and strong. That's how I see it anyway. Um, it allows you to be more mobile, more active, um, you know, using your head a little bit more. So I think um, it's quite courageous of him to head over there with what he's got going on and um, and undertake that task and share that information. And, um, and given he's younger, he doesn't have children, so there's no responsibilities there, but... He's really interesting. So without going into him sort of too much more, I find him really interesting and he's well worth, um, if you want to learn more about that space, jump on his um, jump on his page. So I guess we'll, we might put a link to his YouTube or something afterwards on the... Yeah, yeah, we can put the link in the bottom, yeah. Um, like I said, he doesn't talk too much about cancer and how it's affected his life. Um, he's talking more about what he can do to influence other areas of life and I guess expose some truths that he knows I guess so very interesting um, yeah yeah so um, yeah he's very interesting last but certainly not least how is your wonderful wife going how's she how's she doing is she on the she's on the hunt for some work at the moment or what are you both doing you're you're back at the football uh, sorry footy clubs Coaching? Yeah, yeah, uh, football and, and coaching there yeah, and really enjoying it. Um, uh, that's been a, a good space for me. And so I'm back on the bike, riding to training and been to the gym a bit, so lifting some weights and just back into old school stuff, just lifting just lifting weights, um, which <laughs> so has been good. good and I've enjoyed it. Um, but I, I sort of pale into significance um, in comparison uh, to Laura at the moment, so she'll hate me for this because she doesn't um, she doesn't like um, bragging about herself. But uh, she's been going to she goes to F forty five, so okay. she um, that's her exercise. Routine. I do see the updates, yeah, along the way on a daily basis, um, and she's doing really well. Like she's doing really really well. She's She's getting fit and it's making, I guess, coping with everything that's gone on, the change mm-hmm. in me, and so it makes it easier because you're doing something good for yourself. It's good for mm-hmm. your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but now she's fitter and stronger. Now the boys don't just come to me and say, Daddy, you know, hold on to my arm and want me to do arm curls with <laughs> one on each arm, which I still have to do all the time. Um, now they go to mum because Max is like, mum, you're strong. Yeah, um, I love it. So she's going really well. And yeah, look, we just spoke about it this morning, funnily enough, because um, it's been quite a while for both of us to be off work. Mm. Um, and I guess we've been quite privileged and lucky in that space, in part, thanks to the GoFundMe page that we started. It's allowed us to transfer here to Adelaide and then settle in and get the kids into daycare and school and get the number of appointments that I've had, which have been quite a lot, um, out of the way and get settled and then actually take time to think about what do we, how do we manage this? So I can't drive. Um, 
for at least another six months. I've got a, it's going to be 12 months um, without seizure okay. um, here in South Australia. So I've got to wait a while. Um, so from that perspective, obviously me looking for work, I've got to find something that is easily accessible. Are you allowed to work? Are you fine to go back? Is it completely up, up to you? It's, oh, look, it's effectively it's up to me. The, the doctors yeah, right. are, oh, look, we prefer you not to. And I yeah. understand that they prefer you not to because they want you to rest and recover and all that sort of stuff and not put yourself under in, in, you know, any sort of undue stress, I suppose. Um, but for me, I'm at that point now, and Laura's as well. We just spoke about our breakfast this morning. We're like, right. Let's um let's put a plan in place now. Let's get a wriggle on. Let's um let's get back to work. Let's get back mm. to busy. Yet. Um, and it's hard because we've got the two kids that we've got to drop off. Awesome. Pick up. Yeah, I was gonna say there's there's something good though about when you can dive back into work once you're in that space um, to be able to kind of you know shift the energy and shift the views and you know take on something else as long as it's not adding any undue kind of stress. Yeah, and and that's the. Um, had the fortunate pleasure of being supported by so many people that we've been able to buy that time. Yeah, I was going to say this is a really good reflection piece and probably a really good call out to people listening who maybe contributed towards that um, as a reminder of it's so easy for all of us to go around and to do that little moment of what we'll call, you know, quote unquote charity, kind of help someone out, think we're doing a good thing and, and hopefully it, it helps them. But I guess this is a great reflection time to go, well, guess what, guys, we're X number of months later and actually I can tell you firsthand this is what you you assisted us with. So, yeah, that's a that's an amazing moment of, of kind of gratitude and reflection. Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of people that say, you know, um use that money for this, use it for that, use it for, you know. For us, we use it for treatment. Yeah, absolutely. Treatment's it's not cheap. Um, money spent every week in that space. Um, we don't have extra money coming in. Um, and so we've had to manage things, you know, pretty well. But what it's given us is it's probably the best summer that we've had in terms of, I'm quite biased. Laura's fallen in love with the peninsula um, and loves the beach. And our kids have been to the beach nearly every day that they've been off at school. I was going to say, I saw so many. I think every time I looked at Laura's Instagram, you guys were back down the beach again. But I think that's the beauty of it, right? Because when you look at the situation that you're in to be able to be in a position where finance not only supports treatment but actually buys this really valuable thing called time that we all take way for granted yeah yeah uh, i think so so it's, it's given us that just those opportunities to spend with the kids with each other more importantly because it's really easy to disconnect as a couple when you've got two young kids and you've got busy stuff going on and laura and i are very connected in that space and we get i guess frustrated and upset when we can't get time with each other but sometimes you can't help that we've just started to get that back where you know the kids are daycare and school and so forth and we can actually spend some time just the two of us and it's been really really good um so yeah so to everybody that has contributed in that space and there's been 
so many of the people that you know that Laura's family knows mm. that, that we all know that have helped and, and people we don't know, uh, lots of people that we don't know. Um, and it's been amazing and, and it's given us that opportunity. And for me and my headspace in dealing with this, a lot of people, um, you know, lots of people that start saying, okay, so what are you going to, you can take this for anxiety and you can do this. Well, I haven't had that. And I think in, in part it's because I've had the opportunity to um, be calm and relaxed and approach this with a very rational mindset. It's hard to be rational when you're too busy. There's too much going on. Um, so for both of us, it's given us that. I think if we had had to stay at work, I think it would have really pushed up both of us right, right to the edge. I mean, it has anyway on occasions, just naturally because it's it's, it's not a it's not a pleasant thing to endure or to think about. Um, but it's given us a significant portion of time that. At any other point in our life, yeah. we wouldn't have. And also the thought of like going into an office and dealing with just office politics and just, you know, the general stresses of things that, you know, for any person gets, you know, overwhelmed with or, or frustrated by is the last thing that you kind of want when you're dealing with something like this. So, yeah, it's a great reflection. Uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it so far. We've got another appointment coming up very soon, so we'll find out a bit more in that space. Yep. When's that booked for? In the next couple of weeks? Or? Uh Next week. Next week. Okay, awesome. So we would be able to jump back on after that and give an update of where we're at in terms of um, yeah. the follow-up for it and what's happening with the cyst. And and know from there and then and then hopefully we can sort of give an update on where we're at in terms of uh, work and probably have some more stories about the boys and what's happening there and 